Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Soho Radio Podcast, showcasing some of the best broadcasts from our online radio station, right from the heart of Soho, London. Across our music and culture channels, we have a wide range of shows covering every genre, along with chat shows, discussions and special broadcasts. Here is just one of our recent shows. To catch the full show, head to our Mixcloud page or listen live at SohoRadioLondon.com. our opening track with a high bassoon. How often are you going to be listening to a high bassoon part on any track in this day and age? Um, I'm Mr. Lenny Beige, uh, and this is Mr. Martin Green. Uh, we are collectively the Beige Green Room. This is a new year. Uh, how are you, Martin? Very good, yes. You? I'm good. There's a slight throaty thing going on. I feel fine. I look magnificent, um, as always. But it's just one of those kind of that slightly, you know, that, that, that hangover from the new year. There's a little tiny bit of lurgy, latent lurgy still hanging about the larynx. Yeah, I've, been, I've managed to fight it right the way through to the first year or last year. It wouldn't dare fight you, surely. Yeah, well, no, normally December, because I'm out DJing so much. Right. I always get a cold and I'm battling it. But I've been doing the zinc every day and double zincing and all that. And I seem to... I can feel them come on, the colds, and they don't seem to get a hold of me. So. Everything, yeah, including so the kitchen zinc. Yes, the kitchen zinc. It's, it, so. are you, is this now... This is Dr. Martin Green's... Um, my tip, yes. For the new year. For the <laughs> Chinese, and in fact, it is Chinese New Year, of course. Yeah. We've just said goodbye to, what was last year? was the year of, I know we're now into the year of the rabbit. I don't know if, it, I, t- I made a an... dog. dog? <laughs> Are you sure it was dog? Mm, maybe it's not enough. That's not enough. That's not. Mm, maybe is no currency for for, for 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 me. I need absolute assurity. I'm going for dog. Okay. Do you know I'm what? going for dog. Anybody um, else want to back me up and dog? Any advance on dog? Any advance on dog? It's the it was the year of the tiger, I believe. Ah, I know. Four legs. <laughs> Tell that to Siegfried and Roy. Um, too soon. I don't know. <laughs> um, the, the voice you have just heard, we have a we've, uh, we've full complement of guests. We've only got three stools. They all have bottoms on them. Uh, that was uh, Hi-Fi Sean. Hello. How are you, sir? We're fine. Me and David are sharing the mic in uh, case you hear this, this kind of thing. The whoosh. The whoosh. The whoosh. Hey, yeah. Uh, hey, uh, that's all we need from David McCalmont, dear friend of the show. Often... Um, <laughs> When I'm not here, David, often uh, thank you for, for doing it the last time. We'll sit in. Um, oh, for, well, I need someone as. I have done, but not often. I want yeah, someone as times. handsome, oh, as loquacious, as knowledgeable as, as myself. Um, you both, uh, c- you come today as, as one unit in two parts, which is Hi Fi Sean and Sean David, and David McCallum. Great, okay. And the reason you are here is because. You have an album being released. Sweet Jesus, February. about time. How long yes. have we been waiting? 2016? 600 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
It was all fields back then here. <laughs> Make it sound like the Omega Man. Uh, it has been, yes, yeah, so we will talk about that. We're going to play tracks from it as well. Uh, David, there's a couple of other things we will, that we need to find out about because you are the... Uh, the most polymathic person that I know at the moment in terms of uh, the tentacles are always kind of spreading outwards. And, uh, yeah, in, I got to do a thing or two. Yeah. So I'm not sure what you mean. Cultural plate spinning. Is, <laughs> Cultural uh, plate spinning. Yeah. <laughs> and our other guest is, um, and this is the last time that Marty and I were together, was when we had our Christmas show at uh, TAM. Um, which was spectacular, which was like we wanted to do a Christmas club, which was more like mm -hmm. I had a, with Will Hodgkinson as well. Yeah. Um, and it was very much to kind of celebrate this, this sort of the music and the feel of a, of a 1970s do as well. Um, and our star guest was this man, Mr. Rob Davis. How are you, Rob? Hi, very good, thank you. Glorious it was a great to show. see you again. It, was a, it wasn't it was a great show. Yes. I was so drunk. Oh. <laughs> it must be, you know, I should say to uh, to readers of this show that um, Rob will be known to so many people if you, oh my God, that's, that, that's the guy. That's the guy from Mud, um, was what we were hearing a lot of uh, at the Christmas party. <laughs> Not just that, uh, but of course, a, 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 an Ivan Novella were winning songwriter as well. Thank you. And I must say, a fine guitar player. Thanks. Jesus. Yeah, it's all right. Um, do you get out and play much? Was that a kind of was that slightly unusual for you to do that sort of? It's it's rare, but um, the, uh, the original mud, two two of the guys died, and and me and the bass player still go out and do a few mud gigs. Yeah, together and to, just to doing uh, yeah, doing the, with a couple the other musos. Yeah, yeah, but only a few times a year. Yeah. It's all that you need, just to fill up the tank and just feel the joy yeah, in the life. It's nice to play live, it's fun. Those songs, though, they just, you know, the joy. Seeing people's faces when you start Tiger Feet or <laughs> Dynamite or Cat Crept In or Lonely This Christmas or what, you know, it's like, how many hits in, uh, would you, how many top 40 hits? Probably about 17, I think, in my advice, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> And how many, you said to me on the night that how many uh, Tiger Feet itself sold? Oh, it was ridiculous. Uh, um, I think um, Lonely This Christmas was doing forty to 90,000 a day. A day? In 74, yes. That's what sales were like in those days. You get Making, one for ten, can't in nowadays. <laughs> so, yeah. Making Mickey Most a very happy man. Yes. <laughs> Probably Chin the happiest of all of you. Well, and, <laughs> and uh, Chin and Chap, of course. Yeah. Um, so we're going to talk about mud. We will talk about songwriting as well. Um, so there's no absolute kind of cast iron theme today other than just a celebration of our guests, just to kind of dive into the new product, some of the older product. And Rob, you've also brought some new stuff as well. Yep. Amazing. Where are you based now? I'm in Bromley. In Bromley. Studio in the house. I've heard of it. I've never <laughs> been. <laughs> Where Bowie was born. Well, lived at <laughs> Was he? Yeah, it was Beck. Was he Bromley yeah, Beckenham? Yeah. Beckenham, yeah. Um, and Martin, you've I've brought. I've just grabbed some bits and pieces. A few things that I've picked up last year, um, and that that was the Hubert Laws. The first we opened with Hubert Laws, an album nice. called Laws Claw, Laws Cause, and there's a track called If You Knew. And there's another track I'm going to play from that shortly. As well. With now, a that's bassinet. A yeah. yeah, with the bassoon. Bassoon. Yeah. <laughs> and a bit of sitar, I think. And some low oboe for the next one. High bassoon, low oboe. <laughs> um, so, was that it? So, that was a new purchase? 
Recent, yeah. Okay. Yeah. How much did you pay? Because I'm always fascinated. You always say I don't pay over four pounds. Amazing. It was expensive for me, but, you know, Mm -hmm. it was worth it. It was Christmas. Yeah, you thought you pushed the boat out. Lovely. So where are we going to go now? I'm going to play. uh, I've played it already on the show. But I'm going to play it again because I love it so much. And it's a skin I'm in by Hi-Fi Sean and David McCall. Beautiful. That one land. That, Rob, please uh, just, just furnish us with the details of this, because this is from uh, your stable. Yeah, this, this is a, a girl called Blanid, who, who I write with and produced and right. and doing a few tracks with her, yeah. And how did you, did she come to you? Did you f- discover her? For a mutual friend, she, she came, we started writing last year and started really getting on well. And her background, so obviously there's there's an Irish thing going on, there's mm-hmm. a kind of slight, the, the kind of ethereal folky sound as yeah. well to that. Yes, yeah, she's actually uh, supporting Judy Collins on a tour. Wow. Wow. Yeah, okay. So she's uh, sort of quite known in there. And how old is she? She's about 25, I think. Yeah. Okay. And... So when you're listening to her, presumably what, you go and see, was it a live thing or was it? No, I've never seen her live, just studio. Always okay. Always my studio, yeah. What are you bringing to it and what is she bringing to it? That is, is it completely separate? It's sort of quite unusual for me because I'm doing sort of dance stuff a lot, a lot of the time. But it, it was just a lovely project. So I do, do tracks and lay down vibes, really. Okay. For her. Is production rather than writing your your sweet spot for you both really i I do write top lines as well but um in this case because she she's so diverse for me uh she does all the top lines and i do the tracks and easier for you when that kind of top line is done and then you can kind of add a texture to it and a depth to it that yeah sometimes sometimes afterwards you work the track more and change stuff and are you one of those and I'm looking at I'm looking at you, Hi-Fi Sean. Are you one of those that that, that you are revisiting uh, in terms of production that you, you like to kind of revisit it after a, a certain time? Keep changing it, keep changing it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Can you can is, is there, does there come a point where you go, it's ready? Yeah, I think you feel feel it's right now. Yeah, definitely. And there's, I've got management and publishers all around me saying that's not right. Redo it and stuff like oh, that. Oh, they yeah. are, What so, do they know? A lot, lot of critics. Yeah. yeah so, what do they know? Exactly. <laughs> always. Basics, yeah. And it's always like we need it now. But actually, yeah, yeah, often yeah. In, yeah. in the case of albums that are years in gestation, I'm looking at you guys. Um, it's like <laughs> surely it's ready now. Yeah. But I suppose working with an artist who. Uh, is not from your world at all. Yeah. That you have you ever worked with a kind of folk or a ish? Because I'm a guitar player anyway, so I've sort of played on loads of different styles of stuff. So, yeah. Do you still go out as a session player? 
at all? A little bit, but I mean... For friends or...? For instance, you know, I normally favours, but over the years right. I have done a lot of sessions, yeah. yeah. Um, when writing, what is the bottom, what is the, the, the go-to? Is it sitting at a keyboard? Is it sitting at a, at no, a computer? No or is it sitting at a, at a guitar? No rules. Um, sometimes it's a backing track done already and I'll try and write a top line to it or just loads of different approaches, really. That was, uh, do you do your own beats as well? Do you yeah. kind of, you, yeah. yeah. But I do write for DJs, the odd track that's already done as well. But right, okay. I love it with this just like, you know, it, and if you don't mind me saying, you are how old, Rob? <laughs> 75. Amazing. <laughs> but it's just beautiful. It's a beautiful thing that, you know, I know, but it's, it's a little bit. It, you know, I'd love to say, you know, it, it, it's now not going to be, I mean, the, the, you know, the, the, the longer people from, you know, who've been working, especially in dance music, you know, getting older, they're going to be, you know, it's like old age pensioners homes are going to be full of people that were punks or people that were, you know, with that sort of attitude or rave heads or whatever it is over the years, you know, but it, it's, it's wonderful that, you know, that you reach, and we were talking earlier with a mutual friend of ours, when you reach a certain point where you've gone through the, are you cool? Are you not? What you doubt and bring is not only experience, but just a kind of sage-like wisdom to it as well, which... Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also for an artist, it must be... A young artist must be quite calming, knowing that you've... This is a body of work and a mm -hmm. kind of... Uh, just a level of, of ease with what you are and who you are musically. Yeah, I mean, if, if the, the person is, you know, quite chilled, it's good, but you do get some stressy ones as well you work with, you know. Are there still people that yeah, you go, I'm yeah, never working right. with them again? Yeah. yeah, you get some of them. But some, if they're Don't in just good, gloss over that, I want names. But some, sometimes you'll still do it if it's a good vibe, you know. Yeah. By good vibe, do you mean if it pays a lot of money? or do you... <laughs> If the song's feeling good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it, what you will do in the name of art or what you will put up with where you go... Mm. This is making my shit itch a little bit, yeah. but you know what? It's such an amazing product that I'm willing, I'm willing to feel Go the burn a yeah. slightly more. Um, <laughs> I love that. So, and um, we had another little track between um, Rob and uh, Hi-Fi Sean David McCallum. Yeah, that was track. The, the Hubert Law from that Hubert Law's album. Feel the law, the law of the claw, claws law, law, law cause. Yeah, law clause. Okay. Beautiful. So, and before that, we had what was was that the first release from the new album? Yes. Yeah, okay. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes, it was. Okay, oh, and that was right. called <laughs> the skin I'm in. The skin. This skin the I'm in. Skin. The I'm skin. In. Yeah, you see, this skin. This skin. This. Skin, this the, but the, the skin. The, the skin. The skin. There you. The, the skin. skin I'm in. The skin I'm in. <laughs> Um, beautiful, absolutely. Again, just when we heard that, it, it was just this. Uh, what a great promise of what is to come. Now, from uh, it's, it's, it's not different worlds. It is a musical world. But Sean, your journey, I suppose, is not too dissimilar to Rob's in terms of. Well, you played in a band. I played in a band, yes. You know, for a I long was time. The singer of the band, and you were yeah. so. That was the Soup Dragons. The Soup Dragons, yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm but free. so that journey is that, that you, I suppose <laughs> that thing of you, but you both start off as younger men wanting to be in a band and fulfill the rock and roll dream and, and, you know, being with a group of friends, playing music live and just loving it. And then you end up on Top of the Pops. There you you kind of go like, oh, how did this happen? <laughs> and at that point, do you think I've arrived? Um, 
No, John John Peel session was the point I thought we'd arrived. As soon okay. as we got our first John Peel session, it was like, yeah, this is what we want to do. Right. But then, you know, then things, then you do Janice Long sessions, and then you end up on daytime radio, and then the next thing you know, I You're remember like when, yeah. when I'm Free came out, um, our manager, you get a midweek, you used to get a midweek on a Tuesday, wasn't it? A Tuesday did, yeah. or Wednesday or something. So they would phone you on a Tuesday with your midweek, and at that point, the Sub Dragons were always in the top five indie charts, you know, like, sometimes straight in at number one so we were always kind of like that's where we are so mm-hmm. phoned up and asked for the midweek and our manager went 28 and we were like oh jesus and i was thinking well right great we've, we've. and he went no no it's 28 in the big chart we used to call it the big chart big grown up charts and um, you're doing top of the pops on thursday <laughs> and this was a tuesday and i swear to god my life changed between that that Thursday on top of the pops on a Saturday I used to go in shopping in Glasgow and I had I, I went in with my uh, girlfriend at the time it shows how long ago it was and, um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, I'm walking about Glasgow and it was like people you know just there was like people everywhere asking for your autograph and, and suddenly it was bizarre it was like you went back to your flat and people followed you and were like singing the song on your steps <laughs> outside your flat and it was just like Within the space room, you know, it's like it was literally I'd, that yeah. one <laughs> yeah, three minute spot on top of the pops. Just those days was just huge. You know, it doesn't happen like that now because social media is lots of little things sure. that feed out. I mean, David will be the same, you know, you were the same, weren't you? Were top of the pops, but yes, I'm passing the mic, yeah, yeah, yeah. And y- yeah, I had an um, Italian tourist show up at my front door. <laughs> <laughs> he came from Italy with his girlfriend for the weekend, and one of the stops was. My house. I never had a group of people sitting. They're always there. Italian. <laughs> they were always yeah, Italian. They were very fervent with their fandom. Yes. <laughs> very, very. Never heard of them. Was a, just a, a, a group of people from the from Benelux came to my door. Never happens. It's always it's the Italians. They're very, very tenacious when it comes to the stalking. And um, another time, I was walking down the street, and uh, the, a group of people they weren't paying attention to me. You know, a group of teenagers. One of them said, "There's that bloke who was on top of the pops." Not who, just that bloke who was. And boom, everyone was like, "Oh my God, was you on top of the pops?" And it was <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We used to play, we used to play this game in America. Because we were all over MTV for a period in America, and it was like, um, and which is the same in America. We're we talking night about what was the top of the top? Nineteen ninety for you guys? Yeah, it was kind of ninety to ninety two Nin- in America. Yeah, yeah, we had a single called "Divine Thing," which was sure. the second most played video after "Smells Like Teen Spirit." So it kind of shows you how many times it was played. Wow! And it was on all the time, and you couldn't buy anything. You'd go for food, and people would just give you food, and it was like the point where you wanted free things, you never got them. But yeah, as soon yeah, as you yeah. were making a bit of money, people just gave you things. You'd go into a shop and go, "Oh, can I try that jacket on? Have it." They wouldn't do nowadays. No, they don't. Do <laughs> no, no, you, you get the bill at the end of you, you, you and your friends in a restaurant. Oh no, that's free. But it's it's strange. You know, they give you things in, in the states back then, and then you know the the uh, yeah the whole uh, the, the MTV thing was crazy because it just your face is on TV like every hour. And of course, there wasn't. You know, you're talking generally. Oh, the you know, top of the pops was the one to do. Yeah. But when you, I mean, you got a list as long as your arm of the other shows that you would appear on. Certainly, oh. Robin, your time, supersonic you, you, it, it, pop show, supersonic, or you could do the Mark show, or you do. I mean, there was a slew of, especially children's entertainment, yeah, which would need a 
uh, you know, a five-minute filler, Checkers Place Pop. Crackers, Checkers, Crackers, Crackers, Yeah, or the Saturday morning shows, number yeah. 73. I mean, there's yeah. so <laughs> many of them. He's an encyclopedia. Sadly. But it's, that, so, but, you know, so that thing of you say, oh, it's just Top of the Pops, but... It, you know, a band could, would be... TV promotions yeah, would be such a thing, wouldn't it? In terms yeah, of, big. you know... And Rob, you really embraced the... Uh, how am I going to set myself apart from everybody else in the band <laughs> and look utterly unique? And oh, stupid, yeah. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say... Actually, weirdly, I was looking at some videos this, today and it, it, quite elegant, some of those outfits. I mean, it was like, you know, like the bottom half of a ball gown almost. The, the They're all made in thing. Carnaby Street around the corner. Were they really? Yeah. Colin, Colin Wilde. Wilde. My, sister, no, my sister and I absolutely loved you. Oh, really? You were mud when we, when, when we were kids, and um, we uh, we always looked forward to mud because of the guitarists. <laughs> but it was such an odd juxtaposition because you had Les as a singer who looked like he was, you know, just left his truck outside. He was quite butch, <laughs> quite butch, quite yeah. you know, he's like stocky. even when he was glammed up, he was still butch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, yeah, he could, yeah. you know, he'd still jab you in yeah. the throat in a bar. It's like sweet, were they saying? Were they like sweet? Look like builders, glam. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Stevie yeah. Priest, you wouldn't want to cross. No, no, no. But then you have Rob with this beautiful, you know, this beautiful yeah. kind of his curl. I mean, it was the decade of the the kind of curly boyish girl. curly yeah. hair. And what was the decision? Because it wasn't a band decision, obviously. You're like, no. this is the direction I'm going in. Well, we, when we went to Carnaby Street, this guy called Colin Wilde, he, he said, you three are wearing drapes, it, that won't suit you. And he, he made this Larry stuff for me, flared one-piece suits and stuff. <laughs> So that was his decision. Yeah, like, he you're said, not doing yeah. that, but you're wearing that. Yeah, he said that won't suit you. And, you know, in a nice way, you know. So we just you, went with it. You've got a legs for gear like yeah. that. <laughs> 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 I'm not having you in drapes. You stand at you over there. Um, it was one of them. Yeah. <laughs> but my God, it I mean, you absolutely embraced it. It wasn't like, because yeah. you could kind of go, I'm going to, you know, I want to be in the drapes with the guys. Yeah. I think we enjoyed the shock of making the. So it's worse on, on each record, more extreme sort of thing, you know. Absolutely, it worked. Wider flares and yeah, longer yeah. earrings. And, and um, choreographed as well. Yeah, almost, yeah. yeah <laughs> sort of a bit jammed. Yeah. We, we got the Tiger Feet um, dance from a, a place in Derbyshire, mm. and we saw these guys doing that rock dance, but oh, they yeah. also would take a pint of beer and flob it into each other's mouths <laughs> while they were dancing. Is <laughs> that you know, a Derbyshire yeah. thing? Yeah, yeah, Unique to the Derbyshire yeah, Peak yeah. District. Yeah. This is true. And we copied the dance. We didn't do I the flobbing. Do <laughs> Almost like a, you know, like a folk dance. <laughs> Sean, I did want to say, you sit you went from then being the frontman of a of a successful pop act into kind of going into production as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, was that a natural kind of curve for you, or was that a, did you just sort of find yourself playing in the band less and and behind a a kind of uh, a mixing console more? Well, well after the uh, the Soup Dragons, I had a band called the High Fidelity, oh, and. Um, was what? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've DJing. I mean, DJ. I played records. I mean, I used to run a club, and it was called Record Players, and it was all based on the fact that you know, um, Carol Smiley, 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 Carol Smiley. I was DJing in a bar once, and she turned around. And she goes, "Oh, shoot, it's playing the Record Players." And me and my friends were just like, "That's what we should call it." The Record Players. Record Players. Right. Um, 
And that's what we used to always say. It was just, you know, DJing's playing records, isn't it, really? Whereas yeah. I'm on a different level now because I kind of DJ more dance music, so I suppose I'm good at mixing and all that kind of stuff. But back then I was just playing records, and I was doing that before the Soup Dragons when I was 14, 15, playing uh, Northern Soul and um, James Brown records mixed with um, the current punky alternative John Peel type records. Sort of like Martin in many ways, I suppose, that, that kind of... There's no genre shift yeah, yeah, yeah. that mm. you can't do. Mm. You know, the, the, the gloves are off as far as yeah. I play what I want to play. Yeah. yeah. I was like playing before bands at little parties that we put on. We used mm -hmm. to put little parties on in our local town and I would like play records before then. But then obviously in the band years, I never DJed. But when the band split up and then the second band split up, um, to keep myself involved in music, I ran a club called Record Players at Glasgow Art School with my friend. We ran it for about six years, right. uh, and it was on every week. We used to get like 400 people on a Thursday night, queues down the road. And then we started putting bands on, but there was this weird period of time where we put bands on and they started becoming really successful. And people thought it was associated to us, which it wasn't. We just timed it right. So we yeah, had yeah, like, yeah. we brought the Scissor Sisters over from America. Next week they were in the charts. Oh, yeah. And then we put wow. Franz Ferdinand on. Next week they were in the charts. So it was oh. like it, the club just became infamous for having. Just the right tastemaker, taste yeah. all that stuff, you know. Sure. So there was queues down the road before it opened and all this. It was it was amazing. And um we used to like sometimes finish the night after playing because it was around that time there was a lot of electro clash, you mm. know, two thousand. So we played a lot of electronic music and electro clash mixed with like Giorgio Moroder and Kraftwerk on us. But at the end of the night it was always my thing where we would play as the last track, Sam Plan Pumois. Great the, all the lights in the club switched off and just the strobe light on for three minutes so it was like <laughs> and then it just go <clears throat> and then the lights would come up and everybody would be like <laughs> that's amazing shake you up yeah it was, just, it was kind of like a sensory a nice sensory idea. experience at oh. the end of the night I, Martin do we have a little sensory experience again to that now bit, yes well similar yes so here we go with uh, um, this one from the new album beautiful Off guard, that one. <laughs> yeah, the sudden drop in there, and then the fade out at the end. Um, I, I, 
listeners, on a postcard, please uh, guess who that was. If you don't know, it will it will it may well surprise you to know that that was in fact mud. Rob, yep. well, that was talk our, us through that one. That was our attempt to do a disco track. It's not it was <laughs> yeah, a, it, yeah. mastering and absolutely <laughs> owning it. Yeah, we, it, me it was, and the bass player loved the Isley Brothers at the time, and we used to play a lot of their stuff and probably moded it. But on that, at one point. Who produced it? Um, I think we did that ourselves, actually. Yeah. So you were out of the the uh, of the clutches of of Mickey Mickey Most and Rack and yeah Chinny Chap, who I always thought was the euphemism for for um, Bruce Forsyth, but wasn't. <laughs> um, it was Nicky Chin, Mike Chapman. Yeah. The um, so it, and who were obviously responsible for your hits, the sweet yeah. hits, and so forth. So now you're going, you, you're you're plowing your own furrow, and and you're going you're going disco. Yeah, and, uh, and you weren't the, alone. No, we we left um, Rack and went yeah. went to RCA. But before that, we went to a, another company, and we did just did more of our own stuff and a few disco things. We had a, had a big hit with Little Lucy, which Ray and I wrote, and, and Ray and I wrote that from the band. Little so, Lucy. Yeah, do you remember that one? Yeah, of course yeah. I remember that. That was with Lula the next Lula's, label. Yeah, yeah, great track. Yeah. Um, so, and I, you know, I suppose the thing is, at at the time, people want more of what they were used to yeah. but obviously you're not going to be pigeonholed and crammed into a, a box where you will remain so you but when you hear that now sean was saying he's heard you know different disco radio edits and it's like it it's phenomenal it's great you know i mean but, oh, cheers, thanks. are you how long does it take for you to kind of be you know you're still smarting from the fact that they, that a band disbands that it's don't have the success that you think maybe you should have had when mm -hmm. you went in your own direction yeah how long does it take to revisit a track and go actually that was bloody good i think when we a few years ago me and the bass player started doing a few mug gigs we, we looked back on that track and thought it's sort of quite now so and it works works live god it does i know isn't it funny it um, seems it sounds like um, a prefiguration of groove jet if i may be so bold <laughs> right and again, for Long those of you that don't know, jet. Rob was... <laughs> you, 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 yeah, Groovejet being... Um, tell us your background with Groovejet. Well, Groovejet was um, something I did a top line for. Um, the track was already like, out there and doing the clubs, and my publisher at the time said, write a vocal over this, and that's how I got involved. And that in was it. produced by... It was produced by Spiller. But, Spiller. But a lot Sorry, of it was, was something like dog food. I wasn't sure. <laughs> but, yeah. It was sampled as well. There's lots of samples on it. And Sophie Ellis Bexter sung the lead. I mean, that was it. a huge track, wasn't it? Yeah, in fact, um, Ministry re-bought it last year and put it out again. Yeah. yeah. Is that good for you? Yes, yeah, always. Okay, good. Always good. <laughs> um, so, uh, that was Shake It Was a Shake It Off. Shake It Down. Shake It Down. Mm. Off, down. Shake it anywhere you can. Um, shake It Down. So... Was that the end? Was that the last single that you did as the original core lineup? I think we did a couple more, but um, yeah, that was a big change. Yeah, and it's funny because I'm immediately I'm recalling when uh, the Sweet did that extraordinary "Lovers Like Oxygen," yeah. which was their sort of mid-tempo disco track. That's right. Mm. That was huge, but of course that appeared on the the, the stud. I think the film, yeah, the soundtrack. Yeah, so I think it kind of did better. By dint of the fact it was, you know, part of a hugely successful. Yeah, that broke in America that track as well for them, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that could have been their last hit, actually. I think it might have been yeah. in terms of a, a top twenty. Yeah, yeah. great song as well. Yeah. Isn't it funny when the glam the glam boys do disco? Mm. <laughs> it's like, and it for me absolutely works. 
Um, before, in between Rob's track and uh, the other Hi-Fi Sean, David McCalmont track. Real which Thoughts in Real Time. We're going to talk about. Um, Martin, which, what did you play? It was called Funky Friday. Of course it was. And uh, it's from an album called The Party Sound of the Super Guitar of Lightning Red with Brass and Strings. And it's one of the Stereo Gold Award albums. And uh, I should say, Rob said, are you paying tribute to the genius, the late departed genius of Jeff Beck? And no, what we do on this show is play the genius of Lightning Red and his guitar <laughs> that no one has heard of, but sounds magnificent to my ears. So, um, in a way, it's what Jeff would have wanted. Um, and before that, the extraordinary, I mean... Uh, that track, David, um, that we heard from the the, the new uh, long player. Real thoughts in real time. Yes, beautiful, absolutely. Thank you again. Stunning, and the uh, those strings on it that, I've, and I heard a, a track that you you kind of. Uh, you were doing a little thing every day this week on social media where you're playing. Yeah, Sean's, Sean's calling it, I was calling it an album countdown because I'm doing a little taster of each of, of my favourite bits of each track. I love that idea, it's that. great. Yeah. But Sean calls it an advent calendar. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I love it is, it's a kind of little soupçon, a taster, yeah, and yeah. a mousse-bouche. Yeah. Um, the strings on that are just, if that's a taste of the whole album in terms of the, those string arrangements. I really should hand over to Sean at this point, Mr. <laughs> producer. Okay. Oh, hello. <laughs> Pass the mic. You mentioned, so we are, let's just talk about the string arrangements because they're very much a part of this record. Yeah, um, we worked with um, Bollywood film arranger, Shan Dr. Shandrew Joy. He became a doctor a few years ago. Um, uh, he was... A doctor of, of music? Doctor or? of music, yeah. Okay, because if it's that kind of osteopathy, it would be less impressive <coughs> no, no, in many ways for what you want. But yeah. he was, he, um, I met him back in the late 90s when in my previous band, The High Fidelity. Uh, I wanted to work with a Bollywood orchestra because in Glasgow, I was um, kind of in my years when I lived in the West End of Glasgow there's a lot of, uh, used to be a lot of Bollywood vid uh, video shops, VHS shops, and used to always hear this incredible music coming from the shops um, fantastic effects on the voices, they always yeah. use tons of the delay and it's crazy like, dubby effects like dub, yeah. it's, it's, it's quite psychedelic yeah. some of it and, um, and these amazing strings and, and I think when you're using strings on music, if you go down the classical roads which I have done in the past as well you know, it's, it's been done a million times. It's very Beatlesy. It's very Baroque. Yeah, yeah. It's very classical. I was just trying to think of something that was a bit different. So um, I spent a long time trying to source somebody that would I could work with, and I found this amazing guy called Chandra. And I went out to India, and the first time I went out was quite funny because he was making a movie. And he was, you know, doing all the soundtrack for the movie, and he said to help me with the price of it because we were just on a small indie label and um, he, he would do it on a day off with the orchestra but they'll kind of think they're still doing stuff for the movie and I was put in a hotel for two weeks and told not to move because basically you know it was before it was in 98 so it was before my mobile phone so it was like I was just told to wait by the phone and be told at any minute in those two weeks you have to come down to the studio and uh, so then day seven I think it was I discovered gin. It was the first time I drank gin. So it was like there was nothing else to do but eat amazing Indian food and drink gin. And um, on the seventh day, 
I got one day you've got to record. You're on the seventh mess. day, I was like, right, okay, there'll be a toot toot outside. So I got into this little toot toot and then went way out into the countryside of Bangalore to this um, film studio. And I was completely obsessed about how did he get that string sound, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um, I went into the studio and it was crazy. There was these two young guys who were the engineers and they must have been about 16. They were like really young, you know, with moustaches. And... Um, <laughs> And one of them was sleeping on the floor, and I said, why is he sleeping on the floor? And he goes, because he's resting. And they just kept taking over from each other. They were, like, on shifts. <laughs> one slept while one Amazing. worked, one worked while one night. slept. Yeah. They're just, like, constantly going. And um, there were string players everywhere. It wasn't a big studio, but it was a studio with lots of rooms. Right. And every room there was, like... Are they doing, there was string doing players in the kit. And There was microphones hanging from coat hangers everywhere and there was like <laughs> people in the kitchen people in you'd go into the toilet and you'd have to go can I use the toilet and the string player would have to leave <laughs> was, I've got this in video it's on YouTube actually oh, really? on my YouTube channel there's videos from it and um, uh, yeah so and there was about I think there was 60 for that session Lazarus. and when I came to working with David um I just thought to myself, I'd love to work with Shandrew again and contacted him, which is a lot easier now because of the internet. And he was like, yeah, let's do it. And I met him, he came over to London because he was doing some music for Disney or something. I think he'd done something for Aladdin. And he said, I'll meet you in London. I met him in London, played him some rough demos. And then he was like, yeah, I'd love to work again. And, and does he record that? I mean, obviously, we live in a very different world, as you said, but... Is he going out to a, a you know a studio somewhere in the countryside in Bangalore with and, and getting people to record in toilets? Yeah, so now is he doing it on, on? Is he doing it at a computer now? Yeah, so he's got his own studio uh, now um, out and kind of he's got this amazing kind of complex house just outside Bangalore. Right. Okay. And this time I just basically done it. Um, you know, because it was it would have cost a lot of money for me to go out there and spend a lot of time sure. there, so we had to. Um, do it by internet and um, it was wonderful because I know Chandro so well but the great thing about that great story when, we, when he said he said to me again right I'll bring the hat instead of me sending all this information by the internet because it was like hundreds of gigs you know because it was yeah, yeah, yeah. it was all broken down at the tracks so I mean some of the there was an 80 piece orchestra on this album so some of it was like just tracks upon tracks upon tracks so he said I'll just bring a hard drive and um, I'll meet you in London because I've got to come over anyway for overnight for something. And I went, sure. And I was like, where are we meeting? And he was like, oh, story at King's Cross, King's Cross St Pancras. And I had to bring the money to pay for the session. Wow. In a paper in bag. Cash. And it was in cash. <laughs> and, and, and like this big brown paper bag because he wanted it in cash because, you know, sterling's Tax. worth more and yeah, 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 blah, blah, blah. So, um and I got over. It's like, and I remember afterwards, like, we must be getting watched because he had this hard drive and he slid it across the table. <laughs> so I kind of slid this bag of money. And then he gives me headphones to listen to the, the, the what he'd just done on, on the. Uh, How exciting. But it was, uh, I mean, it adds to the excitement of it. It was it? amazing. He'd done, he done half the album. So there's 12 tracks, six of the tracks are Chandra's. Um, three seven? of them. Sorry? No, six, six, six. But three of the tracks are actually um, from Sessions in 2000, uh, which I completely forgot about. He'd wow. done this other session. I, I, when I came out, I had a bit of a, a wobbly life for a few years. I had a bit of a <laughs> breakdown and things. And he contacted me right in the middle of the worst part of my life saying, I've got a 100-piece orchestra tomorrow. 
do you have any songs? Send me them now and I'll put some strings on them. And I'm like, He's the friend you want. I'm, I'm sitting right? in this one bedroom flat having a breakdown, you know, <laughs> just split up with my wife and my, just my daughter had just been born and, you know, I just came out and all this. And um, I was just like, oh, God, I, I can't say no. And I'd really don't want to do anything. So I sat with a porter studio, I had a little porter studio and a drum machine and a guitar. And oh my wrote, God, so you just came up with I just something. wrote three songs and sent them thinking, Whatever, and I, you know, sent money over and, that and he did them. I got them back on. Uh, you were talking about earlier, um, Rob, uh, Tascam DAA oh, yeah, cassettes, yeah. and I put them under the bed and forgot about them for years. I totally so enraged. The basis yeah, of yeah. three. There's three songs in the album that. Um, so you dug them out. That I dug them out. I got wow. them out a few years ago and got them digitised. Isn't and that lovely that I hadn't gone to waste that kind of. He was really touched magic. by that, yeah, because yeah. um, one of the songs was a really fast song. I remember. I, don't, I remember like just this. Jamming and a guitar going, doo, 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 doo. just like right, put strings in that, and then <laughs> see what happens. And he he did these strings, but it never fitted into what we were doing. But then we were sitting one day and thinking, God, we've got numbers. We wanted to have half the album with this orchestra. To do it, I had to use a sixth track. So kind of like Shandrew is just open to anything. If you work with a classical string section, there's no way they would allow you to go. Actually, it's okay, Shandrew, if we put the strings backwards and put them half the speed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was just like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. (laughs) So basically, we took the track, which was really fast, fifty percent the speed on it, and put it backwards, and David sang on top of it. Now, David, when you sing on top of it, are you finding? Are the, if the strings were, were added on later for some of the tracks, and so you've already, you know, when so Sean was saying that he played Chandra some of those tracks, and he was felt inspired enough to go, "Yep, I will," you know, "will add the strings to it." Do you then hear it again and go, "I need to redo my vocal. I need to kind of read that I feel actually." Oh no, you've not really. I mean, in the case of the track that Sean was just talking about, Transatlantic, right? That was that that was too fast. It felt For it, a vocal. It, it, it felt almost like a parody. Right. Okay. So we kind of um, had, to, had, to, had to figure out what to do with that. I mean, I think um, it really speaks to the ubiquity of Bollywood music because when I was growing up in Guyana in the eighties, my uncle used to take me to the cinema to see Bollywood, and that's where I heard that sound. So when I right. met Sean and he said that he had, um, you know, this um, Bollywood um, arranger working with him, that, that that was like, oh wow, yes, I never expected I'd be able to. Uh, you know, engage with that kind of music in that way. But um, when it came to adding um, anything vocal or melodic to what Sean had written, I remember in the case of Beautiful, it was really um, the chorus is Chandru. Right. So you get the strings going, na, 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 na. And you just can't do a vocal over that. So that's how we came up with the really minimal chords, which is like, na, 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 all the way up, baby. Na, na. Just get out of the strings away. Right, okay. <laughs> yeah, but um, God, it's just such an exceptional atmosphere to have on the record. And um, there's definitely a Western sounding string yeah. and uh, Eastern sounding string. And God, I envied Bjork. When she did Venus as a boy, it was like I want to do that. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So she you know, we got to do it six times of this. Beautiful. I think okay. Chandra did that as well. Did, did, did he? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Talvin Singh used them. Um... Yeah, Talvin Singh was friend of Chandra. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, Talvin Singh was very much the go-to person for a long time here. It was for me. Yeah. Except for it's, it's what midnight, well, in the nineties, early noughties. Um, it's funny how those the, you, the, the ubiquity now of Eastern strings in things are often 
stuff that we only hear in samples. Now we we mentioned mm. before, you know, uh, toxic. Uh, toxic. Mm. You know, yeah, that that little and everyone I know because I want to play fiddle and we we do a version of that and well and apparently Chandru uh, apparently Chandru sued yeah. Yeah. so that because you know that, that. Yeah. So yeah, Rob, you I were know saying the girl who got writing on that, Kathy. Yeah, she was really upset. <laughs> so this she is lost song, yes, royalties. So <laughs> Kathy Dennis was was she sole songwriter so, on that? Um, no, a few writers. I think it was a couple of Swedish guys. Was it Max Martin um, and not n- not Max Martin, but one of those. Okay, Swedish. But, and um, they d- team. they d- and presumably the producer goes, "I've got a good sample." Yeah, sure. yeah, you think it's going to be cleared if it's being put on? You the think track. it would? Oh, perhaps wow. they didn't then. Yeah, we, you were talking twenty years ago, aren't you? Um, I sup- so that was a, a weird uh, Wild West time for people kind of thinking, ah, no one will know. They will. Yeah. They will, and especially with the, the so obvious song that sound, isn't it? Yeah. Beautiful sound. Oh, my gosh. Made the record, really. And so it was, Ch- it was Chandra who sued well, successfully. Well, I, think, I think the um, movie that it was from, the, the, the uh, film studio. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. But he wrote that piece. Yeah. So um he would have likely been from the I don't think he I don't think he personally went out of the way to sue them. He just found out years later that some big pop record um, had, it. Yeah, had yeah. a part the publisher of, his, of yeah. I think part. it's quite a famous movie it's from. Right. I think the person who ever nicked it never really did their homework and picked something a bit yeah. obscure. I think they just yeah. kind of picked top ten famous Bollywood movies. Oh, well, yeah. what? You know, and that so. was the last day the they ever worked in this industry. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a very, uh, to be honest, it is a very Chandru type. Uh, got, yeah. yeah. Um, iconic, if, if you want to you know, make use of a much, much, much too often used word. Uh, Martin, let's have some music again, please. And where are you? Hello, Hello. How are you? I'm okay. You feeling better? Oh, dear God. No. No, I'm really Oh, that's wonderful. I'm sorry. No. 